We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states. And the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live, in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. On today's episode of the Pride Podcast, we have our Detroit Lions versus the Cleveland Browns final review. We're going to break down the game in more details. Also, we're going to crown out this week's Oopsie Doopsie and Baller of the Week all in episode 210 of the Pride Podcast. With the seventh pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Panay Sewell. Tackle, Oregon. He's going to run it straight in. Jared Goldberg. Yes. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. DJ Hawkins. Yes. They did it. They tied it. They're an extra point away from winning this game. Oh, baby, how big is that? <laughs> Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast, episode 210 on the Blue Warrior Network. I am your host, Tyler. Today's episode is going to be sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. I got my two guys, as always, Malcolm, Pierre. How you boys doing today? I'm doing great, man. It's a Monday. It's Thanksgiving week. I'm excited. Oh yeah, absolutely. Malcolm, how you doing? It lead up to Thanksgiving. How you doing, man? Woo! Woo! Let's go, man. Thanksgiving, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm hungry. No, I, I'm hungry now. Oh, yeah. I we, we were just talking pre-game show. I was talking, I was telling these guys that you know they, they already knew this, but Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday out of any holiday that is known. Uh, it's my favorite holiday of the year. I just love the lead up to Thanksgiving. I think there's just so many things to love about the holiday, and it's like it, it, it brightens up my mood. Like I'm not even, I'm not depressed right now about this Monday game or what happened on Sunday. You know, usually like we're talking about how shit the lines are. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about how bad the lines are and how bad that football game was versus the Cleveland Browns. We're going to get into all that, but 
Thanksgiving makes everything better. It's just it, there's so many things that you can't ask for. You're getting amazing food. You get a little nice fall weather. You're getting football on your screen. I mean, what else could you complain about? The food, phenomenal. I'm going to ask you, boys, before we get into our show, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Pierre, you come into a family like me. You have Chaldean dishes. You have some American dishes. What is your favorite dish on Thanksgiving? I got to be honest, Tyler. You know how Chaldeans are? They have, like, little of everything. Yeah. I don't really have a favorite dish. I just like to get a little of everything. Just get a little bit of everything. You know, yeah, and I, I'm with you, man. You know, get get one plate, get two plates, get three plates. It may, yeah. <laughs> fuck it, get four plates. I mean, you keep going, dude. I'm going to eat until I cannot eat anymore. There's so many options you can never go wrong with, and yeah. it's going to be a different plate every time. I'm with you, Peter. You're getting a little bit of everything in, in every single plate. I love it. Uh, so I'm with you. I don't really necessarily have a favorite thing. I would say mac and cheese might be, like, my favorite, but, like, I, you know, I, I'm not discrediting the mashed potatoes. I'm not dis- discrediting the pacha, the mambada. You know, the you know, there's so yeah. many options. There's so many options you cannot discredit on, on Thanksgiving. The turkey, I almost forgot off the turkey. Like, dude, it's amazing. Malcolm, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? My favorite Thanksgiving Thanksgiving dish is my mama. My mama's mac and cheese. Oh, mac and cheese can never go yeah, wrong. Yeah, I can't man. go wrong with mac and cheese, but my, my mom did something special with that mac and cheese, man. I don't know what she does. She still <laughs> won't tell me her recipe for it, but, man, that mac and cheese is special. Dude, I, I love the mac and cheese, man. It hits differently, dude. On, on Thanksgiving, with all the stuff that you got to account with it, man, it, it is undefeated. Oh, I, I'm, I'm getting – I'm just drooling thinking about Thanksgiving right now. We're three days away from Thanksgiving. I absolutely cannot wait. We're going to talk about the Thanksgiving matchup that the Lions will have on Thanksgiving versus the Chicago Bears, which that is not the reason why I'm excited for Thanksgiving. I Everything else I'm talking about is why I'm excited for Thanksgiving. And obviously being around the family and just, you know, sure. it's what you're thankful for, obviously. So that it's a great time. Yeah. I, I hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving. And we will be live on Thanksgiving on Spotify Greenroom. So if you guys have some time out of your day, come join us on Spotify Greenroom on Thursday before and after the game. And then you guys could get to your Thanksgiving dishes. But let's talk about this Lions-Cleveland Browns game before we get into Thanksgiving preview and all that because that will be a whole other episode. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns and Detroit Lions game. Malcolm, I'm going to kick it off to you. I'm going to ask you the question I ask you every week. Did you rewatch this football game? Yes, I did. Okay, I'm going to ask I'm gonna ask you a second <laughs> question. You know, usually I ask you, uh, what did you see differently? I'm going to ask you why this time. Why did you watch this game a second time? Oh, I mean, this is something I always do. I always go back and watch. You know, I try my I try my best. If I have time, I will go back and rewatch the game. It, it, it gives you, when you rewatch the game the second time, you watch it with more of a clear mind, and then you're able to see stuff. Like, maybe some stuff that you had questions on, you're like, like, I'm going to give you an example. I thought the first time I watched the game, I thought Tim Boyle was just completely trash juice. Like, I thought he was completely ass. But I thought, watch the second time, I thought he played a lot better than I thought he did the first time, which is still bad. But Okay, let's lead up to that. So you said Tim Boyle, I mean, a quarterback that threw 77 passing yards mm-hmm. and about 15 completions. Mm-hmm. Um, not good numbers. And a lot of Lions fans were not happy with Tim Boyle's performance. So I guess tell me, what you see differently that was – not terrible because if you're going off the stat line, it looks terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. And the thing is, it's not all – I mean, this like, like I said the last episode, this game showed a lot because, you know, looking at Tim Boyle's numbers, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was terrible. It was terrible numbers. I mean, in the first half, if you're just looking by the first half, he was 7 for 13 for 39 yards with zero touchdowns and one interceptions. So he zero threw – thir- Yeah, zero points. So he threw 39 yards in the first half. 
And then he followed up in the second half with 38 yards. And he finished the game with 77 yards and two interceptions. Those are awful numbers. But if you look at what he was dealt with, a lot of it is the play calling. The play calling was horrendous. I mean, the, the, he didn't even have a he didn't even have a fighting chance to do anything. It, it was just bad. Like if I looked at like some of the throws, I like all right. So he had some throws in that game that were bad. He had he had about like maybe four or five bad throws that were just like oh shit, those are the bad throws. But he, you know he had I think probably a couple good ones when the receivers caught the ball. The two interceptions that he threw, you know, I had to go back to watch both interceptions. You know, the first one. And I didn't notice it because I, I watched the presser late, I guess, with Dan Kim. But Dan Kim, I guess, pointed out as well that it was a miscommunication between Swift and Boyle. So it looked like it was it was a route that Swift, yeah, I guess he had the option to either sit and do like a little hitch and, and sit there or or cut in or even take it out. But it looked like they were all on the wrong page on that play. So that was a miscommunication of both Swift and, and Boyle. So I don't put that on Boyle. And then the second inception was a beautiful, it was a beautiful throw. <laughs> if you watch it, you gotta watch that throw again. It was a, it was a, it was a nice throw. But what happened in that play? And I don't know. People are like, oh, but he was double covered. He kind of split both of the defenders. So at yeah. that point, it was more of a, it was more of a one on one, and it came down to who wanted that ball more. And it was Ward. Ward wanted the ball more. <laughs> so that was a nice throw, and it was just one of those plays that your receiver couldn't, couldn't bail you out as far as you know win that one on one opportunity. So. I look at the opportunities that he was, I guess the play calling that they gave him, he didn't do that bad. But the office stinks. The office was bad. Yeah. I'm with you, Malcolm. I even said this in our in our post-game show on Spotify. Is like, I don't think anybody should be blaming Tim Boyle for this loss. I really don't think he's the reason why we lost the game. Like, was he good? No. But, like, I think you hit it right in the nail. Like, I think – he he was hindered so much by the play calling that he never even got an opportunity to really try to get an opportunity to win this football game because the play calling was so freaking conservative and they didn't even give him an opportunity to try to win the game or try to make a big play. You mentioned the big play um, where he throws the interception. That was like the only time I felt like they gave him some type of trust to make a deep shot and it obviously turned into an interception. But like you mentioned it, like – you saw that one, I think it was a safety on front, or it, was, it might have been Greedy Williams. I don't remember who exactly it was. There was a corner safety in front of him. He The ball's completely past him. So you're right. So one-on-one with Denzel Ward and Josh Reynolds. And Josh Reynolds doesn't even put any effort to try to jump up the ball or even even if it was a little overthrown, he doesn't even put effort to like maybe break it up and you know maybe become a DB himself. Exactly. There, there, there was zero effort to stop the play from Denzel Ward. It, I mean, Josh Reynolds either should come down with that ball or – Change your position and come a DB. Switch switch roles. Knock that ball out, and you know you, you play another down. But Josh 100%. Reynolds, Josh Reynolds did none of that. He didn't even put a hand on Denzel Ward. It looked like until after the play, after the you know after the interception. So that that's just I agree with you. Like Tim Boyle wasn't anything spectacular. There wasn't anything where people were gonna have conflicting thoughts of uh, this guy should be our starting quarterback or not like the hope that you kind of wish that we we had coming into this game, if he could do something special, you didn't get that out of this game. But I, I think the play calling hindered him more than he affected the team itself. So that's why 100%. I said that's why I said in the postgame show, I don't think anybody should put it, is putting this game on Tim Boyle. I don't think anybody should put this game on Tim Boyle. Not that he was good, but they didn't give him an opportunity to, to really even shine or anything. So that's why I 
I criticize more of the play calling than I could criticize the quarterback in the situation. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent, man. And that's, I mean, the, the play calling was just it, it was so bad, and that's why I was bringing up the point that no matter who we had back there, the results are going to be the same. It is because even if, and, and I know a lot of people are still there, even like right now on my Twitter, they're saying plow, plow, plow. <laughs> still, uh, and, and I said this in the last episode, the way the play calling has been, if you put the, uh, David Blau back there, you're going to see the same five and outs. You're going to see the same hitch routes. You're going to see the same screens. And it's, you're going to see the same third down draws to, to the running back. Those plays are still going to happen because our play caller, the offensive coordinator, this this offense, they're limiting our quarterback. And it's not – it hasn't been good, especially the last two weeks. It's, it just hasn't been good. Detroit Lions football is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Detroit Lions tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K – P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TipPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all the other ticket sites charges, which let them guarantee the best price on all the NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, Tipic will give you 110% of the difference in your purchase price. So if you're headed to Ford Field to watch your Detroit Lions take on the Chicago Bears on Thanksgiving, then TickPick got you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash Pride Podcast today to save $10 on your first order of your Detroit Lions tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another thing I want to bring up too, man, that I noticed in that game, and this is going to the other side of the ball. Baker Mayfield stinks. I agree. (laughs) He... That that game he had was downright awful. Like I have to be honest, worse. though, Malcolm, he's playing like super injured. Like, yeah, if he's if that's what it I is. I think if, if he's, he's healthy, I think if he's healthy, he makes some of those throws. Um, he was playing with an ankle injury. I think they said shoulder and knee injury. Like he he had everything going. Yeah, on. I was I was gonna get into that. I was I wasn't sure if that's just Baker Mayfield or this, these injuries are piling up to him and show he played at a brave low, below level quarterback level yesterday. If we were playing against somebody that was just half as accurate as he was yesterday, the score would have been a lot higher because there was a lot of plays. The receivers were wide open. But Baker Mayfield kept on the short, kept on to the dirt. It was just bad. It was, it was bad play, overthrowing guys. It, it was bad. But 
if you look at those plays and look at the coverage, those guys were open. So that's yeah. that's that's not a good sign. It's, as well as our defense has played, but this is not a good sign seeing all those wide open receivers watching the second time around. Because the first time I was like, oh yeah, we played great. You know, we held Baker Mayfield to what hundred something yards. Our defense played great. But then you look at it again, you're like, oh shit! Like look at all these plays that we left. You know, they left wide open. Like they left on the field because he was just underthrowing guys, overthrowing guys. Those is bad. Right? I will say another. I was telling you another thing about this Lions defense that they need to correct immediately is the discipline. I mean, they are gifting teams first downs when they got out of situations. It'd be like a third and long. I see a stupid penalty on this defense, a holding or uh, I don't know if it was rough in the past or whatever. There's uh, there's been I don't want to say a lack of discipline, but like they need to fix the discipline on the defense because there's too many times that they're bailing out another team's offense. And then, you know, they're, you know, taken away from their time position on offense, even though our offense won't probably do anything, but like, you know what I'm getting at? It's like, you're giving the other team opportunities to stay in the field, to control the time possession um, score. I mean, it's just, it's leading up to bad things. So that's one thing that I have a knock on this Lions defense is that they have to clean up the discipline because it's too many times on third down, because this third down defense, that's that's their biggest kryptonite right now is third down defense. They they can't get off the field like on the three and out. Like they'll make two really nice plays in the first two plays and then you know force a third third and long, but then either have a blown coverage or a stupid penalty, and then it just continues to drive for the Cleveland Browns or whoever we're playing this year. Yeah, I'll say this, though, with the defense, we, we saw some communication issues. We didn't really see some risk Cleveland. I think that's a positive sign. We saw a lot the previous week, so that's a positive sign. And then to get into this game, I think there was, was it Tuesday we do our breakdown episodes, released on Wednesday? We talked about how the Lions should run the hell out of the football, and they, they did that, right? They had 23 carries, 168 yards, 7.3 yards average, and uh, one touchdown. Cleveland is number five against the run. And Detroit ran it up their throats. Um, but one thing we also talked about, too, is you got to get the play-action game going. When your run game is going, you got to do some play-action. We didn't really see any play-action. If we did, they were like short dump-offs or whatever. Like, you have to push the ball down the field somehow, some way. And that's the annoying part is because these last two weeks, you have developed a nice, fluent run game, but you're not growing off your strength, and you're just sticking to that. Or like Peter mentioned, if you do a play action, it's going to go two yards behind the sticks. And it's like, okay, what was the point of that? You know, like, what what are we doing here? Right. It's like a stupid screen pass right after. Right. You're not using your strengths to, to help you win football games. I mean, that was the problem. I mean, like the first couple of weeks, we couldn't even build an identity. That was our biggest, you know, knock on offense. We could even build an identity. We kind of have an identity now. We have a legitimate run game that has been working the last two weeks. But the problem is they're not growing off of that running game and using different things in the offense to to grow it and, and make it a better offense because they have the talent. Not I'm not going to say they have the talent, but they have – when you have a running game, you should be able to grow the offense more than what they're doing because it is just Absolutely. embarrassing of what they're doing with the running game that they're getting right now. It's just – it is embarrassing. Like I got to be honest, Tyler, you know that third and one that Hawk missed on his block and then became fourth and one or fourth and two, whatever it was? Yeah. I thought what they were, I, th- I actually thought this in my head. I was thinking, okay, we could probably see a rollout, maybe like a rollout and small play. Like, you know, the first play of the game, they did a rollout. They they had a deep route to Raymond that was covered. He checked it down to Brock Ray, but it was still like 12 yards. Yeah. I thought maybe we could see that, right? Because the defense yeah. thinks it's a run. Everyone's going to come up. Linebacker's going to come up. Someone's going to be open down the field. 
I think the Lions need to incorporate that in their third and short, fourth and short. But you also have to protect the quarterback. They probably were scared of Garrett and Clowney as well because those guys we talked about have 84 pressures combined. And if you fuck up on a play action, you get a sack, could take you out of field goal range, could get a fumble. Like all those things go into play. But at some point, you just have to trust your offense and do something different. Which a quick shout out to Panay Sewell. Not that they passed the ball very many times, but zero pressures in the game versus the Cleveland Browns. And you just mentioned Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney on both edges. And yeah. Panay Sewell allowed zero pressures. That that's exactly what Dan Campbell was saying in his pressure when I when I went back and watched it. Is that a lot of the I guess the play calling was due to Miles Garrett and, and Clowney on the other side. Yeah. So I guess he was trying to say he wasn't trying to throw Tim Boyle in the wolves as, as he, as he quoted is that he won't, he didn't want to throw him in the wolves. So that's why I guess the play calling was a lot of short stuff screens, but that's the same shit we saw last week, man. So it's, it's, it's tough, man. See, I, I understand to a certain degree, maybe doing that in the beginning of the game, or you do that a little more in the beginning of the game. But the thing that frustrated me was that the last offensive drive that you had, you're down three points. You're OA in one football team at that point. I just don't understand what they were trying to accomplish with a third and long with a draw play when you're down three points. Cleveland's running the ball successfully down, running the ball successfully down your throats right now. I just don't understand. I understand your defense is playing well and that you thought that was probably your best opportunity to win the game. But I don't understand the, the thought process because even if your defense gets a three and out, you're still going to be in the same position in the field where you were already, and you just have less time now. So I, I don't understand what they were trying to accomplish. They're punting the ball away and calling a third and long draw play. I mean, that that's the point where you got to get aggressive and I think got to go and try to win the football game. Yeah, Tyler, I'm with you. Because when you think about that, right, say they, they punt the ball on fourth and 11 or what was fourth and nine, whatever it was, right? Yeah, you it punt it. Okay, you get a stop. You're out of timeouts. You're going to get the ball again. You're probably going to be deep unless there's a penalty. You're probably going to be in your 20 or 30-yard line depending on where the punt goes, right? You yeah. still got to march down with less time and no timeouts. Yeah. So like, like what, what, what is the thought process there? But like, if you didn't have the trust, you know, then to take a shot and get a first down, why why do you have trust now to get a stop? First of all, on defense, which that's, you're asking your defense to get a stop, which it could happen. I mean, it it was happening, you know, it it could happen. Right. But when you get back on offense, unless you're getting a pick six fumble six or, you know, some type of turnover and, and getting great field position, if that's what you thought was the best chance of winning, I, I really question that. Yeah, yeah, I think Campbell also said today, he said he's learning as a play caller and he wished he did things different. Well, you got to also think about this too. The weather, right? The first game, Jared Goff was injured. We were questioning why they didn't put David Blau in. I think now we know why they don't trust Blau because yeah. Tim Boyle didn't practice at all since like basically training camp and he came in and took the number two job. So they, they don't trust Blau. It's pretty obvious. Um, so then they go into the second game. Okay, it's snowing or raining, whatever it was. I forgot. Um, Tim Boyle is a little rusty. They don't want to rush him, whatever. I get that. But at some point, you but have that's the, to. That's the time where you got to take shots. Like I said, if you do that throughout the game, I don't necessarily right. agree with it, but I understand the thought process more. But when right. you're an opportunity, you're down three points, you're 0-1. Um, I think that's the perfect time. Third and long, take a chance, try to pass the six, get a first down, keep the drive going. You got your timeout still intact. You maybe try to run off this clock and either get a touchdown and win the football game, or if you, if you can't, you get in field goal range and you try to get a field goal and go to overtime with Cleveland, something. You know, I just yeah. feel like they didn't give themselves a legitimate opportunity. They were asking for too much out of their defense at the end of the game, and that's that's what costed them, and they didn't even get another offensive drive after that. Now, I'm not going to blame them on the defense because that was a tough task, but 
I just I don't understand because like I said, if if you get the stop, let's say you get the three and out, you got zero timeouts, you're putting yourself essentially where you just were with less time and zero timeouts, which is a lot more difficult. The time management too before the half ended. Yeah. They got zero points out of that drive and they were like around field goal range. You can't have that. That was really bad time management by by the staff as well. Campbell, obviously, he's that coach. You you have to score points there. You can't just go into half and like not even attempting a field goal. At least attempt it. If you miss it, okay, at least you attempted it, right? So at least it, think about it. If you get that field goal, like I know hindsight is 2020. If you attempt a field goal and you get it, it's 13 13 technically. Like you have three points. Yeah. Obviously, stuff could be different. Cleve go for a field goal, but I'm saying like the game is lackluster. If you make yeah. that field, if you attempt a field goal versus going to tax time 13 0 versus 13 3. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there was, there was some questionable things in this game again. And I don't know. It's just like, it's a little more difficult to make excuses for. I know Campbell's young. I just, I'm, I'm kind of sick of this experiment already, honestly, of Dan Campbell being a play caller. I've mentioned that this is not the reason why we hired him. And I'm just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know how I feel about it. I'm not very comfortable with him being the play caller. I, I think his attributes are, is not in that role. I think his attributes are in a different role is, it's supposed to be a coach and make the game time decisions, not necessarily call the plays. I think that should be on someone else's job. And if, if the only guy you have right now is Anthony Lynn, I think it should be Anthony Lynn. Then. Yeah. I don't uh, think that's tough is I don't think that's going to change no time soon, man. That's, that's, that's the thing right now, yeah. man. They're going to roll with that for a while and see how it, how it goes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. tough. It's but, appearing like Campbell and Lynn are headed for a divorce in the off season too. Like Lynn is probably not going to be the OC. Yeah, I would assume so. I would assume so. I think with Campbell ripping the the play calling from Anthony Lynn, I, I mean, I think that's just a big F you to Anthony Lynn, and I, I don't I don't <laughs> see how they recover that relationship where he's part of this staff in any way. I, I mean, unless he was comfortable with that decision, I don't know. I feel like Anthony Lynn could maybe get another job or just retire because he was not even – he was contemplating retirement and not even coming back to the NFL this year once he got let go by the Los Angeles Chargers. And, you know, Dan Campbell gave him a call. I think the initial thing that was going to happen with Anthony Lynn, that he was going to be the play caller. And, you know, I think that's why he accepted the role. I don't think this is what Anthony Lynn signed up for to, you know, kind of be an assistant for Dan Campbell. So, I don't know. I I, I think that could be a divorce, like Peter said, in the offseason. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough. But I want to give a shout-out to um, DeAndre Swift, man. Jesus, man. Did you you guys watch that run, like rewatch that run? That Absolutely. run, that run was it was top tier, man. The way he made he made two two guys miss. I think it was like number number forty four or number twenty two or some 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 numbers like that. I forgot, but he, <laughs> the way the way he made them miss, it, yeah, it was nice. Yeah, yeah, and he's you know, a betterer. Yeah, in open space, he's he's a, he's phenomenal in open space, and he. I, this is something I didn't even realize. I posted on my Twitter, which is insane, but. He's the first lion to have back to back 100 yard games in 17 years. In 17 years, the last Damn. guy to have the last running back for the Detroit Lions to have back to back 100 yard games was 2004 Kevin Jones. Not Kevin not not Jones. not Kevin Jones, not not Pod, not not Blue Wire Kevin Jones. It's <laughs> our old running back, our old running back Kevin Jones. Um, yeah, he was wow. the last running back in 2004. To get back to back 100 yard games, that's an insane stat, and that just shows how how bad our running game has been. 
Yeah. Tyler was these a baby are... in 04, right? You were like two or three. Oh, I was three years old, yeah. And these aren't cheap, like <laughs> these aren't cheap 100 yard games. This is not like you just got 101 or 102. First yeah. Pittsburgh 130, and then versus Cleveland, and only 14 attempts got 136. And Cleveland's a top five rushing, uh, top five rushing defense. So that was phenomenal, yeah. man. Good job, good job for Swift, man. Now Swift is coming yeah. a better runner in our own eyes, and that was something that we kind of had some criticism for. Uh, for DeAndre Swift, like, we knew yeah. what he could do as a pass catcher. We just kind of wanted to see what he could do, maybe with his vision and maybe break some more tackles. And these last two games, they've been a big positive for DeAndre Swift, and he's been a big factor to this offense. I just want to see them use his strength to more of the offense. Like, you know, you can't have him be the only strength of your offense. You got to you have to build off what he's doing and make your offense better. That That's something they got to do coming into these, you know, upcoming games and hopefully starting this Thursday versus Chicago Bears. Yeah, we criticized Swift on this podcast earlier in the year, and I feel like maybe it was the groin injury, right? We even talked about that too. Now he hasn't really been on the injury report. He doesn't have the groin injury anymore. That bye week helped him rest up. So you could tell he's playing with more swagger too. But he's playing more confident. Speaking of injuries, Pierre, you told me that there were some injuries during the game. You want to go ahead and just list those injuries off right now? Yeah, so Big V, he has a concussion. Um, AJ Parker has an ankle. And I'm missing one more. Deshaun Hand. Oh, yeah, Deshaun Hand has a groin injury. Deshaun Hand, just end the experiment, bro. (laughs) You're done with it? I mean, at some point, man, like, I think he's a free agent after this year. What I'm trying to say is don't don't even re-sign the guy, man. Like, just the guy needs a fresh start. It just hasn't worked here. The injuries. He's he's a really talented kid. He was even a five-star coming out of high school. Tampa and Alabama, but was inconsistent. And and I felt when he's healthy, this kid makes plays, but he's rarely healthy. And it just sucks. Honestly, I'm just done with the experiment. I mean, they say your best factor is your availability. I mean, that, that's your yeah. that's your best that's your best attribute is your availability and your best ability is your availability. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and Deshaun Hand has just not been available for this team. And I mean, same with know. Trey Flowers, dude. Like, just end the no, thing. Well, I, I've I've been done with that experiment for a minute. Yeah, yeah, it's just time for it, man. He just hasn't been healthy, and he's getting today, paid too much. I mean, he's getting paid way too much yet. Like, way too well, I told much. you, I wouldn't even want him on a minimum wage contract right now. I would. A minimum salary? Hell yeah, I would. Um, no, but he would never play team. for the minimum. He's probably worth absolutely now not. Like, he's he's worth way more than a minimum contract. I'm yeah, saying on my is. football team in this scheme, I don't even want him in a minimum contract. This is gonna be crazy because we're gonna let him walk, and you know exactly where he's gonna go. And he's I guarantee his England, career, he's gonna ball. He's, he's gonna, gonna go right to, back to New England, and he's gonna, he's gonna have go to two place. places: Miami or New England. Nah, yep. I think more New England. 100 percent New England. Yeah, I mean New England doesn't really need him. Pencilheads there. Being honest. Pencil, well, Pencilhead? Pencilhead's going to bring him right in. You're gonna be like, is Pencilhead on the sidelines? Like, I, I haven't seen him on the sidelines. Pencilhead is more games. involved in the front office. That's what I thought. Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't seen him, like, in the – I haven't seen him on the sidelines at all this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I obviously know he's part of the staff, but I haven't seen him. See, like, Pierre – I mean, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but, like, is he, like, kind of like the John Beeline for the Pistons almost, I feel like? He's, so, like, like the kinda... assistant. So, like, his role is literally, like, the assistant or something to Belichick. But they said in the offseason he helped recruit free agents and sign them. So – I feel like this is kind of like what Beeline is for the Pistons a little bit. It's like he's kind of like that advisor a little bit to like Casey a little bit or not advisor, but like he just helps with decision makings. And like he I guess he knows terminology where he could help coach up stuff like from he's not hands on necessarily hands on with the players. I feel like it's what Patricia oh, said. He's God. not necessarily hands on with the players. I, I, I thought you were about to say from that standpoint, 
from well from that standpoint, I feel oh, like he's, no, working, he's, he's working from like the front office and you know <laughs> translating what he sees to Belichick and just the coaching staff in general. So I from that standpoint, he, he, he made the hey, best play. Hey. He called the best defensive play in NFL that's history. From that standpoint, and from that standpoint, Bob Quinn, oh, no. his football team beat us yesterday. <laughs> Bob <laughs> Quinn is with the Cleveland Browns. We didn't mention that. Oh, oh, gosh, man. oh, he is. He beat us. With all due respect, man, I hate those guys, man. Like <laughs> what they did to our team. They're probably good people off the field. Like, but in terms of football, Peter goes, and- Peter goes, dude, all <laughs> with all the respect, I hate those guys. What <laughs> respect is there? <laughs> like, no, I'm just trying to say, so far, like, these guys, like, they're probably good people, like outside of the football world, but inside of the football world, man, it's they held this franchise back, bro. They destroyed the franchise quarterback. They ran him out of town, basically. They helped his franchise back. It just sucks, bro. It sucks. Yeah. yeah. Now we're in a full-blown rebuild. And, man, the biggest like my biggest fear about this rebuild is finding a quarterback. I know people say, like, these quarterbacks come easy. Quarter, quarterbacks mm-hmm. don't grow on trees, guys. Who, who said quarterbacks are easy? There's people that are like, oh, you could draft a Lamar Jackson at 30. Oh, you, you could get like a Josh Allen at 10, 11, or Deshaun Watson, or Pat. I was like, no, they, guys, you, can get a, like, you can get a Josh no. Rosen at 12 or 11. I'll flip that. Exactly. I'll play Devil's, I'll play devil's you, Advocate. You can get a Christian Ponder, right? You, you, can, you get can get a, get a Dwayne Haskins. You, you, can get get a, Haskins. you can get Jamarcus Russell. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I can go on and on yeah, and on. It's, it's yeah, scary. Just, it's really scary where you don't have a franchise. Look, look at That's Miami. Look at, look, look at Miami. Look at their situation. Mm-hmm. They drafted two. They don't even know if they want two or not. They don't. They actually want Deshaun Watson, but I mean, there's some stuff going on right now. And they've been looking for quarterbacks since Marino. Cleveland Browns might be in the same boat right now. I mean, dude, look at look at the Bears. Like the Bears haven't really had a quarterback. They had Jake Cutler. Then they went like with all these weird quarterbacks. Now they have Justin Fields, right? And they're like they think Fields is the guy, but we don't really know yet. Nope. Nobody nobody knows until you have some consistent years. And then you have fucking Bill no. Belichick, one year without Tom Brady, goes out, gets Mac Jones, and Mac Jones is balling into the system. And I, and I, and, 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 and Malcolm's face right now. <laughs> if you guys and can I, see Malcolm's face right now, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and, and not to go like, to the past, but that just shows of how more of an embarrassment the Lions are because they had a franchise quarterback and could not build the winner. Not to go into the past too much, but like, it's just like, man, how, how? Yeah, we, we had basically like, have you guys seen that little picture of like a Bugatti in front of like a shitty house? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that's what that's what Stafford was the Bugatti and that shitty house was the Lions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rough, man. I don't even want to think about Matthew Stafford and and how he was a Lion and how he could have won with them because that just gets me depressed every time I just think about it. So let's yeah, just I'm not depressed. It's just like not depressed, but it's just like you know, like how how I'm depressed. I'm depressed. <laughs> I'm over the, I mean, dude, the, right. the depression. We got two first rounds out of it. Hopefully, they nail those. Picks. It's it's, it's um, not that. It's more of it's just more of not not the trade itself. Yeah, it's, it's more, more of the of, the, the yeah, history of that we, we had, had an elite quarterback. And you couldn't win. We couldn't, we couldn't win a playoff game. That's very frustrating. Or a division. Or just or even a division. division. And, and, and damn it, they couldn't even put a like a legitimate uh, a running game around this guy. Like you can do anything. I know. I it's know. sad, man. They they, just, they drafted the wrong people. They hired the wrong people. It's a mess, dude. Like, honest to God, how do you go into a draft thinking you're going to draft T's Tabor and Jelani Tavai in the second round? Hey, hey, like, hey, I'm hey, not hey. even trying to be funny. Yes, you are. No, like, dead ass. How do you go into draft thinking you're going to draft the most unathletic dudes in the draft early in the draft when the whole T's, point T's of – Tabor wasn't given a fair shot. <laughs> 
Tease we'll Tabor hasn't gotten a fair shot in the NFL. Like, yes. we might, we low key might see Tease Tabor on Thursday. He's on yeah, Chicago. He, he's in Chicago. They, I think he's on the price cap, but sometimes he gets elevated and stuff. So we might see him on Thursday. On Thursday, we better be wearing those sick unis, those throwbacks. I hope to see those on they Thursday. Are, are, yeah, that's sure. something we do every year. They 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 went away from it. The David Blaustar, they were the color rushes on Thanksgiving, which I hope they don't do this week. No, I hope they go with the, the throwback. It should be the throwback. Last year when they played the Texans, even though that was an utter disaster of a football game, and oh, that was no. the Sheila put her hands on her forehead, and we knew this shit was over. Uh, they were the throwbacks then, but versus the Bears two years ago when David Blau started the game, I remember they were the color rushes, so they better throw. They better bring the throwbacks this week. Yeah. They already wore the color rushes at home, so they better wear, wear the throwbacks. Yeah. All right, let's get into – Pierre's baller of the week. Pierre, who balled out for you this week? So Malcolm spoiled a little. To, for me, it's DeAndre Swift, man. Like we we criticized this kid, right? We're like he needs to run the ball better, and it's probably the groin was holding him back. But he averaged uh, 14 carries, 136 yards, 9.7, almost 10 yards a carry, and a touchdown. Um, in the passing game, he wasn't that effective. There was a miscommunication on one pass. Uh, but, man, overall, like, this kid, I mean, he's a top 10 running back in this league. He's yes, a sir. dual threat. He's a dual threat. He could do he, it all. When he's on the yeah. field, you don't know if it's a pass. You don't know if it's a run. I mean, you probably do with the personnel on the field right now. But, like, I'm saying, <laughs> like, when you have a competent have a good team, offense. when you have a good offense, like, he's a guy where, like, he's on the field. You don't know what's going to happen. He's He's reminding me a lot of Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. He's not on that level yet, but I feel like he could get there. Yeah. The The only thing that sucks with his position that the the career longevity of a running back is just so much shorter compared right. to other positions in the NFL. And it's just going to be interesting when the Lions are expected to compete and how he's playing right now. It's just like how many, how many more years do you have to the Andrew Swift of him playing this type of football? Because we've seen it, man. We've seen guys who are elite, elite, elite running backs fall off a cliff next year. You know, that's just how the position yeah. goes. It's very sad. And it's just like, that's my only like fear with DeAndre Swift right now. But we got realized when, when they brought him in, they kind of looked at his value because of his touches in college. He wasn't overworked and that. overused in college. Yeah. So yeah. he may last a lot longer than a lot of people like versus That'd like a, a guy who's killing the league right now is um Jonathan Taylor, you know, but his touches in college was I think he had like like 900 or 800 touches in college. That's yeah, why so, he wasn't the first running back taken cuz of his workload. His and workload was ridiculous. He had fumbling issues too. Uh, yeah, he did. yeah, that that was a thing too, but yeah, as far as Swift, his workload in college wasn't high at all. It was very 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 minimal. I think he probably had maybe 2 or 300 touches and carries in in college. So cuz they had yeah, so many guys over there. Yeah, they had a lot of guys they yeah. do a lot of rotate yeah. rotating yeah. guys. So they did a good job and hopefully that adds on to, you know, his NFL life. So and we'll see how long longevity, yeah. No, that would be yeah. ideal obviously. And I know that was one of the the pros of drafting a DeAndre Swift compared to uh, a J.K. Dobbins or a Jonathan Taylor or, you know, you see a lot of times, especially like Alabama running backs, those guys get worked so much like the Derrick Henrys. It took him a while just to get adjusted to the NFL because of how much he was used. I mean, you've seen guys like Bo Scarborough, who's Alabama, his career ended so fast in a focus of how much he was used at Alabama. Um, it's just yeah. that that was a pro of DeAndre Swift. So you hope that that could, you know, 
make his career longer the last year than those other guys that were mentioned right now. And so. he's still young, Tyler. He's turned 23 he in January. And like, like Matthew said, I was going to be on that point. He did not get a lot of touches at Georgia. They had yeah. Chubb, they had Michelle. Yep. They had other guys. I can't remember their names. Gurley um, was, I think, his freshman year. Oh, yeah. Gurley was on the team. I don't know. If, I, don't know if I mean, did, is Georgia RBU? Can we say Georgia's RBU? Yes? No? Maybe. Yeah, I think that's fair. Alabama was really good at running backs, too. Those, yeah, I mean, those yeah, SEC but, teams, like, man. recently it's been Georgia, though. I think recently it's been Georgia. You had Chubb. You had Michelle. Michelle I mean, was good before his Alabama, Najee, uh, Najee, looks, Najee looks like the real deal. Josh Jacobs, you know, he's aight. And then... Yeah, that's another guy, so. right? We talk about guys kind of falling off. Like well, Josh yeah, was amazing. Exactly. I mean, he's still good, but he's not. But like he's not he the was. same guy. Exactly. Yeah, he's not the same guy he was. He's exactly. still a solid back in this league, but. But yeah, that, that that's like my only fear with the running backs, and that's my only fear with DeAndre Swift. But I think you guys bring up a good point, and that that's you know, uh, something to look out for for the rest of his career. But well, yeah, next year, I agree. like he's eligible for an extension. That's something to pay attention to. Do the Lions extend him? I'm not really a fan of paying running backs a lot of money, but if he's like your offense, I think you kind of have to, right? Yeah. Just like, it just depends. It, it, that's a fear as well, because remember when Dallas paid Zeke, like Zeke is still a good running back, but again, that, that fits in the criteria. He's kind of falling off a little bit. He's not the same guy that he was his first couple of years in the NFL. He's still a really good running back, but he's not the same guy as he was when he first came into the league. I mean, look at CMC. He's been hurt the past two years, right? Him too. Camara's yeah, dealing with right now. Camara's in the yeah. So Dalvin Dalvin's in and out in the lineup. It feels like every other week. Yeah. So it's it's a real scary when you commit a lot of money to a running back. Exactly. Um, and, and that's that's tough with running backs because, I mean, it's a tough position, man. It is a very tough position. Those guys take hard hits, and it's not an easy position. And and no, it's not. Yeah, no. I mean, we've seen just in the NFL drafts in general, they're kind of being devalued a little bit too as well, which we'll get into when we talk more draft coverage. But let's talk about the oopsie doopsie of the week. Oh, Let me play a sad song for you on the world's smallest violin. And I hate to do this, um, but I want to I want to get you guys' predictions because you guys thought that you knew what I was talking about. So I want to see if you guys actually because I didn't tell you guys yet. So I'm going to start off with you, Malcolm. Who do you think I'm talking about? Dan Campbell. Pierre, who do you think I'm talking about? Dan Campbell. Uh, yes, I agree. It is Dan Campbell this week. Was he the Oopsie Doopsie last week? I was just going to say that. He was Oopsie Doopsie two weeks in a row now. <laughs> oh, man. I would have given Santoso last week. I wasn't on here, but that's you. Um, no, I mean, Santoso was a good candidate. I mean, he, he was definitely – he definitely gave a run for the money. I won't, I won't lie there. But I don't know, man. Dan Campbell's play calling the last two weeks is just – like I said, it's just not my cup of tea. I don't think it's anybody's cup of tea in the NFL. It's, I, I got to be honest, probably not his cup of tea, but he feels like he's kind of like trapped with the personnel he has and stuff. I think he you're just kind of has to do it. Um, yeah. He probably hates it, but in his mind, he's thinking, look, man, if I want to win, like I don't necessarily agree with his thought process, but like that's, I'm trying to think how he thing. thinks. And yeah. I think he's thinking like, he's like, okay, it's raining. Jared Goff is hurt. We can't pass off. We pass ball, you throw a pick. And then yesterday, Okay, it's raining or storming. I forgot whatever it was, right? right. Um, we have Miles Garrett, even Clowney. We have to run the ball. We've been running it. Let's just keep running the ball. Just the last See, part, the pump part is the thing that. That's what I'm me. saying. Just like I don't understand it. It's just like some of the thought process. Like I said, if you want to do that throughout the game, I could understand what you're trying to accomplish because you don't have trust in your quarterback, obviously, with Boyle. And then you mentioned it with the pass rush of Cleveland. So I understand that from, from that standpoint. I'm going to use a Patricia line. From that standpoint. Let's, let's not say that. Let's, let's use that and like put that like in a word of that we're being. You can say from that perspective. I was going to say from that perspective, but I saw Malcolm's face. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to say that standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> 
we don't, we don't have to say uh pencil head quotes you know in the pod we don't have to do so that. yeah for, okay we'll go back to from Malcolm, that Malcolm, pers- Malcolm, your posture a little you know the way you're sitting right now we're recording yeah, the pod picture posture there you go there you go Malcolm. <laughs> so yeah from that perspective i understood what he was trying to accomplish throughout the game but it's just the end of the game that really was a head scratch to me and i think that's what ultimately kind of lost you the football game or not even lost the football game but you just didn't give yourself a shot to win the football game so that's why I'm giving it to Dan Campbell because no one else really stood out to me as an eye-popping oops doops of the week. If you want to give it to Josh Reynolds, go ahead. I, I, I'm i not against that because he was freaking terrible in this game. He gave me no effort. We mentioned that 50-50 ball. He, he didn't even put a hand on Denzel Ward or try to do anything about that. I mean, if you want to give it to Josh Reynolds, I'm not going to be against that. But I'm just going to give it to Dan Campbell because he was the main play caller. And there was just a lot of head scratching stuff throughout the game. And so Dan Campbell gets – because you was the week back to back weeks. And I want to say something, Tyler, because I feel like some people are thinking like we're out on. I've seen on Twitter some people think like, like we've talked about Campbell making mistakes. Look, it's okay to criticize a coach, right? It doesn't mean you're out on him. Like I criticize coaches, I criticize players. Doesn't mean you're out on them, right? You could say Swift had a bad game. Doesn't mean I hate Swift. I still think highly of Swift. You say Hawkson had a bad game. I don't hate Hawk. I still like Hawk a lot. So when I say Dan Campbell didn't have a good game, the game was on him. I'm not saying I'm out on Dan Campbell. I'm just saying he needs to do better, and I still trust him. I still think highly of him. Yeah, no. Like I mean, some people think like when you criticize something, out on him right away. No, no, no. no. I, Criticism I, is fair. Like you have to be. You can't just I mean, see everything like like blind eye. Like oh, Campbell doesn't have no one here, so he, he did this. He did the right thing. Well, if you we're oh like, nine and one, we're oh nine and one, and we've had many opportunities to win football games. Right, and I'll what he's that. done too. The Lions have been like I think. Uh, double-digit underdogs the past two weeks, and they've only lost – well, one was a tie, one was a three-point loss. What he's done, too, is impressive, but at the same time, you got to do more. Yeah. No, Especially I, when you have a chance to win, like yesterday. Yeah. Especially, yeah. No, and I, and I said it before the season, and I'm going to stay by that. It's like I was – there wasn't going to be anything significant for me, or at least I don't think there would be, that I would be out on Dan Campbell's completely is like we have to fire this guy. He can't be the coach. Even if – we go over the 17. That was even my thought process. Like it would have to be something significant for me to be out on Dan Campbell to not right. get another year. And he's getting criticism. I think that's fair criticism. And but I, I kind of go to Pierre's points. Like he kind of just has he's kind of doing what he thinks he has to do because of what's on the field and the quarterback situation right now. And we made the point yesterday too. It's like, yeah, but you still have to kind of try to make it work. And they're not doing that right now. So right. that's where the criticism is coming right now. So I'm not out on Dan Campbell. I don't think anybody should be out on Dan Campbell. But I think there should still be some questions. I think there should still be some criticism towards him. And absolutely, there shouldn't be a free pass just because the team isn't good or you weren't expecting a good team. There shouldn't be a free pass to Dan Campbell. So yeah, that's he why. admitted it himself. He wished he could do some things differently. Exactly. And when you look back at the t- – yesterday he was like, no, I didn't. But then, you know when you like – like you kind of took a step back like we did today. Yeah. You looked at the tape and everything and – He's like, yeah, man, I wish I did stuff differently. I'm growing. You got to remember, too, this was his second game calling plays, and it's only his, like, ninth game as a Lions head coach. Like, there's going to be some errors, too. It's a it's a young – I don't say young coach staff, but it's inexperienced coaching staff. How about that? It's an inexperienced coaching staff. Yeah. So I'm going to stay by my point is that you just got to be patient with Dan Campbell. And I, th- I'm going to criticize him if there's some stuff I don't agree with, and I think that's fine. I just I'm, I'm not going to be ever out on him this year. It would have to be something significant, yeah. which I, I don't think I've – I haven't got close to that point yet. Well, I shouldn't say an experienced coach. There's some experience. I should just say, like, it's like a, 
it's like a new coaching staff. Well, right? they're, they're new still... roles. I mean, Aaron Glenn first time, yeah, to first time. But like Anthony Lynn, AP, no, they in their roles. I mean, yeah. there's some guys in new roles. There's some guys. It's like, I mean, you're talking about know, two crucial. You're talking about two critical positions. Talk about defensive coordinator for the first time, and you're talking about the head coach for right. the first time. I mean, outside defensive of coordinator. General. I mean, I think that defensive coordinator is going to be a head coach pretty soon in this league. Like, it's possible. Very soon. The guy is awesome. The guy he's is awesome. smart. He's awesome. The players love him. I mean, he's just – you could tell, too, just when he talks to the media. I don't know if you guys listen to his media yeah. sessions. He's so smart. Mm-hmm. He, it makes you want to listen more to him. Like, he's just uh, – AJ, AJ's a smart football guy. It's, it's yeah. a guy you want to – it's a guy you want to listen to. And, no, he, he's smart, man. He's, I know I, – I have a lot of trust in AJ. I've loved what, he, what he's done. And I've, I mentioned this last week. He's just always bringing something different to the table each and every week. It's not something that he just has something – you know something that's worth it. He says I'm going to bring into next week. He's going to he's going to actually look at an offense and look at the weaknesses and strength, and he's going to try to put a perfect game plan. And it might not always be perfect, but he's going to try to put the most perfect game plan for his team to get the most opportunity to win. And I think that's something I really admire about Aaron Glenn is that he's I'll, not stubborn to something. I'll say one thing he needs to do a little more is maybe blitz a little more with like all the that. injuries they have on the D line. Like quarterbacks that. are having all day to throw. I think and that's tough with the personnel you have to, but you gotta like yeah. try some different things. I, say, I think it's more of he doesn't want to put those corners on an island just because that's they're fair so too, young. Because yeah. they're young, yeah. Yeah. So it's a very young secondary. I'll say I'll yeah. say this. One thing that he we probably gotta like do less of is on third and longs. I think we've probably seen this all the time on third and longs. Pierre's favorite. It's the rush three. Oh my gosh! Yesterday I was so mad. I was like, yeah. "Man, why are we rushing three, dude?" Like, I know like you have a young corners and stuff, but you're giving the quarterback all day to throw. Yeah, yeah, that's something that we got to probably do less of on third, third and longs, and the, the rush three when you don't have three guys to just put pressure like that. Like we had three guys, like we had three beasts, and you're like, "All right, but it's even it's three even guys difficult. gonna put pressure." Yeah. It's it's even difficult if you have three studs like T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, and I don't know, put Chandler Jones or whatever, right? Even if you put those three guys, I like my chances, but it's yeah. still very difficult to get to the quarterback, even when you have three great guys and you don't have one guy right now that's like even close to that level. But yeah, even if you have they, one of those guys in your defense, it's just it's so hard to get pressure when you have five guys or six guys blocking. And you only have three men rushing. It's just, you're not. I mean, it just, it's then, just simple. The, guys, the numbers are towards Cleveland. Yeah, and the guys you're putting in coverage, <laughs> you're throwing Austin Bryant back there. Who? What do you do? Julian. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Julian has been. Julian actually. Julian has been pretty natural at outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Julian. Julian Okoro. You know, he's in coverage. You know, he does have a pick. He did have a pick last week. But I still, mean, man, those are not like the best zone guys you have. Like, so it's just the quarterback is going to sit there. And throw right over, right over them. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that man. But again, he's learning too. Like we said, it's, it's their first time calling plays too, and they're all learning. And the future like, seems bright here. The future seems right. Brad Holmes needs to hit on these picks, but you could kind of see the vision of this team moving forward. You see it a little. I wouldn't say necessarily it's bright right now, but I think there's promise, and that, that's how I look at it right now. Because I'm not, I'm not looking at this team saying like this is the upcoming team in the NFL where teams are scared of this. No, team. no. What I, I mean is like you have these picks coming up, right? These yeah. These I mean, there's picks. promise. I mean, it's just yeah. what you what could you do with those picks? If what you, you nail with- on those picks, you also have some cast base coming up too. If if you yeah. like, whether you send your own guys or assign some guys that fit your scheme, and if you do that all the right way, you should be competing within two years, hopefully. That's the hope. I mean, I was hoping by competing, I mean like not like 
losing 13-3, like winning yeah. games and winning the division. Yeah. No, I mean, I, w- I was hoping we could see a little more out of these young guys. I feel like there's just been moments where they kind of just been invisible, like the Elaine McNeils, the Levi Owens, Enriquez, and Monroe St. Brown. I was hoping some of these guys, I think Penny Sewell's done a good job of stepping up at some of these moments, but I think our other guys, I would like to see some other moments. But we've also seen – you know, guys, we didn't expect that Jerry Jacobs come out of nowhere and have AJ moments. Parker. AJ Parker have his moments, so it, it kind of goes, hand, uh, you know, it goes hand in hand with each other. But you know, we'll see as these guys develop and as the weeks go on, we're gonna talk about it. So, all right, I think that's it, guys. You guys got anything else to add on this Browns Lions game? No, but Jeez, like, I wanted to add something about like Lee McNeil <laughs> and those Levi guys and Derek Barnes. I feel like every game is different, right? There's some games where they play like every snap or like. A ton of snaps, and there's other games where they play like 10 snaps. Well, that goes into Aaron, which, Glenn's like thing. you said, Aaron yeah. Glenn's thing. So maybe that could also like hinder development a little where one week you're getting a lot of snaps and another week where you're not. I don't know. Yeah. But like we haven't really either seen any glaring mistakes from either McNeil or Anzuriki no, or Derek Barnes. And that's no, a positive with rookies. We don't really like hear their names being hurt, like talked about. That That's a positive, I feel yeah. like. So. Well, with Mike Neal, we never expected to hear his name. He's a nose tackle, so that's usually the position you just don't usually hear their name. But, you know, Levi maybe expected some more pressures or Barnes. Yeah, he's, maybe them... with Levi, I'm a little disappointed. I see with the pressures. I don't even know if he's a pressure this year. Um, he might have one or two. I don't even know. But yeah, he's also, like, he was hurt at training camp. Now he's starting to, like, they're easing him in slow, little by little. So we'll see where he's at. Yeah. I'll say this about Derek Barnes. It's, 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 I mean, I don't know, man, because – I don't think he had a high snap count in weeks. It's been weeks. It's this week, too. He had a low one, too. This week was a low one. Last week was a low one. The week before, that was a low one. I think the last time he had, like, a high, a, a solid snap count was when he was, what, PFFs, like, one of the top players, defensive players for the week? The, I think it was before the Rams game. I think it was the well, Rams game. The, right? I think it was before the Rams game. This was, I think it was before the Rams game. I think the Rams game was where he kind of had a little – I think Dan Campbell kind of called him out a little bit. And I feel like since then he hasn't had a expanded role since. And it's just weird because he's making he makes plays like he, yeah. with the limited snaps he had yesterday. He made a big play. Yeah, you tackle for a loss. Then he was out of the game. But I was like, all right, he had, he had a nice tackle for a loss. Pretty much chased the guy across the field, made a nice tackle for a loss, and then he was out of the game. It seems like they're picking it slow with some of their rookies, and, and they, I like they, I'm they fine are. with that. Yeah, but. Yeah, he, he was the third lowest snap count in this game. Played 19 snaps and 26% of the defensive snaps. What about Levi and Aleem? Do you have those in front of you? Yeah. Aleem McNeil played 33 defensive snaps, 45% of the defensive snaps. Uh, Levi played 30, 41%. Yeah, so those guys, they're like they're starting to get their snap counts increased little by little. Um, I, just, I just don't know, man, because I think Derek Barnes is – I feel like he's our best linebacker. Yeah, Malcolm, I'm looking at his coverage grade. He, he he has a 107.1 pass reading allowed in coverage. So maybe they're they're worried about his coverage. They want to fix that up. Because the Lions asked their linebackers to cover a lot. Um, it's it's, it's cool, but when you play against a team like Cleveland Browns, where you know they're going to run Chubb, like you would yeah, think true. they'll put... You, you want a bigger think, linebacker out there. Yeah. Instead of maybe. Yeah. But yeah. I, don't, I don't know. That That's that's one of the questions that I have going on right now is, you know, why is he not playing more? Hopefully, you know what? I hope one of the reporters asked that question. Like, why, why is the snap count so low? No, Campbell's going to be like, last time he said he's a young pup or something. They're easing these guys in. You could see it. Um, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, but he's still, he's playing well. I'm not really, I'm not worried about his development or nothing. I think he's a, I still think he's our best linebacker, but he's just not getting snaps. 
This is what it is. All right, guys. Hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of the Pride Podcast. Nope. Final report of the Lions and Cleveland Browns game. Terrible watch nope. from an entertainment standpoint. But there was nope. some positive. There were some negatives. And we will be back some point th- during this week to break down line Chicago Bears leading up to Thanksgiving. And golly, we have a lot to talk about in that game <laughs> as far as injuries and just a lot to talk about. And we're going to break that down. And we'll be live again on Thursday yep. to talk about lines and Bears and active reports. And we'll be right after the game on Thanksgiving Thursday, Pierre's going to be at the game, so he won't be with us. So Pierre will be at that game on Thanksgiving. Pierre, uh, I guess for people that haven't been to Thanksgiving games, I haven't been to a Thanksgiving game. Malcolm hasn't been to a Thanksgiving game. What's the experience? What's kind of the vibe at a Thanksgiving Lions game? It's like you ever been to like a Red Wings playoff game or a Pistons playoff game or like seen it on TV kind of? Yeah, I don't know how to TV, explain yeah. it. Like a home opener kind of? Yeah, the vibe is like a playoff game. It's like it's hard to explain. It's like the Lions Super Bowl. I know it's like it hurts to say that. Yeah. But it's basically like their Super Bowl. Like the vibe in this stadium is electric. It doesn't matter who's playing, doesn't matter who they're playing versus. This stadium is loud as hell and very electric. Now, I don't know how it's now because the offense is just not like fun to watch. But when the like I went when Stafford was the quarterback every time, man, I you guys remember the Eagles game back in 2015? Oh, my. 2015. Yeah. Calvin Johnson, Eric. So, yes. One, uh, two, three. Me and my brother, we went, me and Brandon, we went to that game. The vibes in that stadium was unreal. That was disrespectful. Oh, on the Eagles part. Of Chip Kelly, of Chip Kelly putting Eric Rowe on well, Calvin Johnson three times. They were they're, they're yeah. they're, they're putting one-on-one coverage with Calvin. That was disrespectful. They didn't learn their lesson. And Stafford was like through 400-some yards or whatever during that game. I mean, that game was just. That was a, a good-ass, just a good-ass whooping that we barely see in the Lions end. So that was fun to watch, man. That was a very yeah. fun game. I mean, I don't know if the stadium will be full or not. I, I think it will be full because it's just Thanksgiving and it's like a tradition. A lot of families just go to the games for tradition and stuff. But Ford Field recently has been, like, down in attendance. I feel like Thursday we could have, like, it's going to be full. I think it'll be full. Maybe I'm wrong. But it's Thanksgiving, and just the atmosphere there is different. I don't think it matters either. I think when the Lions were really bad, too, the stadium was always full during Thanksgiving. I mean, I don't – Malcolm, do you remember, like, yeah, they played the Patriots one year. I was younger. I was just watching it on TV um, on Thanksgiving, and Brady destroyed us. But it felt like the stadium was still full. Like, you don't yep. bad on Thanksgiving. Like, it's just – it's a tradition for the Lions, for the NFL, for the fans. The um, fan base. I love going to that game. I really do. Yeah, because I'm the opposite. I'm always, you know, busy during during the game time itself. So, it's like – that's why I've never had an opportunity. I want to – I like, I could have went this year. I want to wait for an opportunity when we're a good team, and I think it would be a more – electric atmosphere like i i don't doubt that the atmosphere will be good this game but i want to go when i know the team is going to be good or like when they're good at that point yeah, what was that i said that's fair yeah that's just you know i i want i want to i want to wait for a good i want to have a good experience i want to have a good lions you know thanksgiving game like, i want to have a good one for my first game ever like that's just something like it's kind of weird for me like i always like want the good history like tell a good story i don't think this will be the game where you I guys remember it. the texans one where jim shorts threw the flag he was supposed to throw a flag and he got penalized the, for that justin forced that one yeah right that mm-hmm. was the first thanksgiving game i went to and i was there and i was so mad man yeah this day that's that stadium was lit too man ryan Broyles went off that game i remember that game like it was yesterday yeah no that was a 
We had some good Thanksgiving games, not as much recently, but I saw it was Eric Woodyard from ESPN. He tweeted, like, what's your favorite Thanksgiving memory? And we'll, we're going to get into that. I wanted to save that for the next pod because it's going to be the Thanksgiving preview. Yeah. So I don't want to talk about that now. We're going to talk about that next pod. We're going to talk about our favorite Thanksgiving preview, uh, our favorite Thanksgiving game we've seen from the Lions. I know Peter kind of spoiled a little bit already, but we're going to talk a little more about that in our next episode. So stay tuned for that. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving, Lions, everything. So thank you guys for all joining this episode. Hope you guys all enjoyed. Use promo code PRIDEPOD and underdog fantasy they're matching up all the way up to a hundred dollars of your first deposit so go check them out and i'm signing out guys peace all right guys i'm out peace all right y'all it's your boy malcolm and i'm out peace Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com